everything's coming up to to Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah, in the zone. Simple dedication to the team when you're in the know. To to Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah, in the soul. Lifting all the positivity for the wolves to grow. So where we going from here, man? We listen week to week to get the clearest to clear. Recaps, got that. South cap, got that. Team ads, got that. So tell me what they do not have, huh? Question to ask, but I don't mean to go brag. But boy, they got all the stats, and they could go all the way back from KG to Zerbiak. And all I'm saying is that the cast the one stop shot for my timber wolves. Timber wolves, ain't a thing falling, everything's coming up. Timber wolves, timber wolves, falling from the autumn, ain't nobody gonna stop him. It's the timber wolves, timber wolves, ponies you can spot them, they the sheep under their clothes. Timber wolves, timber wolves, talk a lot about them. Timberwolves podcast. My name is Gabe Anderson. I'm joined as always by Chris Emerson. Chris, how we doing? How we're doing good. We're doing well. Awesome. And we are here to talk about it. The Wolves brand new, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, President of Basketball Operations, Tim Connolly. By the way, we should mention, uh, uh, obviously, as you're not, as you're not seeing him, Jared couldn't make it tonight, but we're, we're going to chop it down because it's, relative news so first what was your first reaction you know obviously we we heard of that they were going to hang out with the Taylors and Mankato or whatever and his family was going to be there your first reaction when you heard the news Tim Connolly new owner or no sorry uh president of basketball operations for the Timberwolves uh seven we won't even talk about the contract yet but your your what was your first reaction when you heard the news um Becky made some good lasagna you know I don't know <laughs> Um, it was good. I mean, it's, it's not a bad thing. I was not, um, overly impressed with, uh, well, Gerson Rosas was, I think he was really moving us in a good direction. I think he did a great thing to set us up for the future and just kind of move the Timberwolves in a direction. And then Sasha and Gupta, um, I think he is a good number two, you know, and, and he felt like a number two guy, um, I don't know if he was ready to step up into the big role for a team that, you know, has championship aspirations in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a knock on Sasha and Gupta. I think he's, I think he's a great guy and he's, and he's, you know, he's going to be important maybe going forward for this team still. But um, I like the fact that uh, we went out and tried to get one of the quote unquote best there is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard for me to, you know, it's hard to be a great president of basketball operations mind because um, same as a GM, like if a guy picks a guy, I don't know, Nikola Jokic, let's just say, you know, deep in the second round and um, he becomes a two-time MVP, he looks like a genius GM. Right. But, I mean, he also passed on that guy twice. So it's not like he saw him as this sure thing. And like 19-year-old kids – you know, they can go a lot of different directions and very little of that has to do with the GM, you know, Mm -hmm. seeing it. So um, I just hope it works out. And I think it was a smart move. And I like that none of the money, like we're talking contract wise, that doesn't come out of our salary cap or anything. So that's not like, it really doesn't hurt us. It's just ownership money. So it just shows that, um, you know, we're a professional organization. We're moving in the right way. 
Right. Absolutely. And uh, from what I have been hearing from around the Denver, uh, from around some of the Denver people that I've heard about, uh, it sounds like he was very well favored there. Like Bones Island put out a tweet that he was disappointed that, I mean, first of all, Bones, if you want to play for him, we'd love to have you, first of all. Yeah, we could Uh, use a backup point guard with a little, uh, you know, with a little sauce. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, yeah, apparently he's well-liked over there, and I think it's a good move. Now now we'll talk about the contract. And like you said, it's not huge because it's not like – it's not money we can use on a player or anything. It's it's, it's, uh, five years, $40 million. So, basically – uh, the same kind of the same contract we gave Tibbs back exactly. in the day, um, exactly. but but Tibbs was um, the coach as well. So obviously he's not going to be the coach. And what I think is the big thing about this is he gets part ownership stake, and I, I think that's a huge factor in the reason that he decided to leave Denver. What do you think? You know, I think a lot of it was um, the Denver owners are cheap. Like they're just they just run that organization, the Nuggets, in a very cheap way um, mm-hmm. to the point where they can't have any of their summer practice and workouts in Denver because their practice facilities, um, from what I heard, is like a high school basketball gym. Like it's just not up to speed. So they have to have all their summer workouts in different states. Oh, wow. um, they just don't pay anything like his. His staff, his front office staff, was one of the smallest in the entire NBA, um, which helped him keep it a real tight-knit group that, you know, kept mm-hmm. all their secrets close to the vest. And, and you know, maybe he'll keep that same sort of, uh, same sort of staff here. But um, I think they were cheap. And, and we threw, you know, we, we threw him an offer that he couldn't resist. But the ownership thing is huge. And it's huge in a couple of reasons, because now he has, you know, a little more say in everything and he has a little mm-hmm. more power in everything and he has a little more tied to it. You know, like if you're a part owner, even if your contracts, you know, four or five years, like you're part owner, I would assume forever, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's probably looking at this as a long term deal, not like a. Can I get a, you know, can I switch and get a job with the Lakers off this or something, you know? So oh, yeah. I like it from our point of view too, that ownership thing, because I don't care who the owners are. You know, there's always a dozen minor owners that own a little 1% right. here or there. So I'm mm-hmm. all for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with it too, because I feel like it's one thing to be paid by an organization. It's another thing to literally be like some of your success, um, yeah, weighs on whether or not your team succeeds, right? So sure. if you're if you're putting out a team that's filling Target Center, you're getting a little bit of that money back in your pocket. Like that's that that's something like like we saw last season. So that's something right. that I, I definitely uh, enjoyed in that. And I I don't know. I, I think I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a good hire. But what did you think of um like for example when the Wolves were trying to get a new coach? They essentially like boom got him immediately, and there was some controversy around that whether it was good or bad. You can some someone can talk about it, but uh, what what do you think of just knowing the guy that you want and going to get him rather than like having two or three guys in the mix and trying to trying to find the right one? I think what, it's the way to do it. I think it's the way to do it. Like target who you want and go hard at him and get him. You know, I, mm-hmm. I love it. I think that's how 
I, I mean, that's how I want him to work in the draft. That's how I always want my teams to do. Find somebody and go get somebody. Like, if that's who you pick as the guy, go get him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we have two the, – the, the, what seems like the owners right now that are making the moves are, you know, Lori and, and A-Rod. Neither one of those guys have dribbled the basketball in their lives by the looks of it and by what I've seen them when they've tried. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, they don't know anything about hoops and about player personnel and about what executives are good and what executives are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important for them to get somebody who's established because I don't think they're the type of guy who's going to find this diamond in a rough and build them up. So find mm-hmm. a guy that's established. Yeah, it might cost you money, but go get him. Um, right. and from everything I've heard, he's just a good guy. Like he mm-hmm. runs his organization different. Like most GMs or presidents of basketball associations, they're like, or organization, they're like, you know, it's a business. You don't want to be buddy, buddy with the players or the, you know, mm-hmm. because you're going to be shipping them off and then there's relationships. Supposedly he's not like that. Supposedly he has the guys over to his house often for dinner. Um, he talks with them. He lets them know like it's a real relaxed situation. Um, mm-hmm. It was described by one of the Denver beat writers um, that he's kind of like a dive bar kind of guy, like go out to the bar and get drinks, which fits in perfectly to what Chris Finch kind of is. Like both oh, yeah. of these guys seem like the same style of guy, the same nice guy, the same guy that'll you know be your friend, but also shoot it to you straight. So mm-hmm. organizationally, I think it's going to work great where – Malone in Denver was kind of the opposite. He was kind of the drill instructor kind of guy. So there was a little clash, which sometimes is good. But Mm -hmm. um, in here, it's going to be kind of two peas in a pod with him and Finch, which I'm I'm excited to see how that works. Yeah, I'm excited to see as well. And I I was listening to, shout out to this podcast, if you haven't heard, uh, Locked on Timberwolves. And they were talking about how there's been a lot of like – to, to build a competitive team, obviously you need like the Anthony Edwards and the Carl Anthony Towns and whatever the top D-Lo. Yeah, yeah, top-end talent. But there's been like some kind of aging vets who almost took less money to come play in Denver, whether it was a Paul Millsap yeah. or JaVale McGee or, yeah. or guys like that who aren't necessarily world beaters. You put them out by themselves, they're not going to do – or Boogie Cousins as well. They took a chance yeah. on Boogie Cousins. Austin Rivers as well. So, I mean, the, these guys these guys aren't going to win you a championship necessarily, but if you have the right guys around them, they could help. And I think that relationship uh, could loom in big. So let's, let's start talking about a little bit his draft history, and I'll, I'll pull up the yeah. graphic that you sent me. Uh, let's see. Hold on. i got to find it. Oh, there it is. I mean, you're okay. talking about those guys that were kind of, you know, role players, vets. I will take any one of those guys right now. You know, mm-hmm. like I would take any one of those guys on our roster to come off the bench. Oh, yeah. yeah. Looking at so these are none of these guys here. There's only one guy on this whole list that was drafted in the top 10, you know, and that's Jam- Jamal Murray, which we passed on. Genius, Thib- Thibodeau. What a great <laughs> move to go down over him. Who needed who needed a two guard? that had some playmaking ability next to Rubio when we didn't have a two guard. I don't know. We oh, needed we defense. Did. That was, that was the whole thing with, yeah. <laughs> with Tim's was defense apparently, but yeah. Uh, so yeah. what I love the most about this is um, when I was watching this, there was guys that I fell in love with in the draft and we we've been drafting around the same sort of range as Denver for a while. And some of these guys I loved, I loved Michael Porter jr. At 14. I thought, 
he was, you know, an amazing pick there because he was a top three talent, maybe number one guy coming in out of high school. Then he got hurt. So he mm-hmm. dropped all the way to 14. So they take the shot at him. Um, RJ Hampton, another guy, he hasn't turned out, but for me, I love that, that pick. It was another super high five-star recruit who played mm-hmm. overseas. So he didn't get a lot of the, the press. So he dropped in the draft, take a shot at him, you know, at 24, what are you out when you're taking a shot at a guy who is thought to be a top five talent, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, and he did the same thing with bowl bowl, who's not on here and he hasn't had a, much of a career, but it was like one of the last picks in the second round. Why not take a shot on a guy that was, you know, the number like four player coming into the coming in, coming out of high school, you know, like mm-hmm. that's the kind of talent I love him taking a shot at, but each one of these guys is important on their team right now. Bones Highland, Najee um, from Minnesota. He's been killing it. Actually. He's very good. Yeah. He's been um, very good. Vanderbilt stud Morris deep in the second round there. He's their starter almost all year. Beasley. We know what he's doing. Um, Gary Harris. Um, these guys are the kind of range we're going to be drafting at this year. And we need, we need role players. We need to hit on these guys. We've got mm-hmm. the 19th pick and then we've got three picks in the second round that all finish, you know, all in the, you know, the first half of the second round, if we mm-hmm. could hit on two of those guys so that we get a, the 19th and one of those second rounders as a solid role player, that's like comparable to what he's done here. Mm-hmm. that's huge for our rotation. Like we were, we were pretty thin. Like we had like Prince wasn't doing much for us. Like we're going back to like undrafted free agents, like, um, you know, like uh, J Mac to really step up. Like we need better talent than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now the one knock I, I will say is, and it's not even really a draft knock necessarily, but it's kind of a knock. He did have a shot at Donovan Mitchell and did end up training him away. So And and Rudy Gobert. And Rudy Gobert, yeah. But so did everyone else. And that was I think his first draft. So I'll give him I'll give him a break on that. But everyone messes up, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that happens. Like if you nobody can tell the future, you know. So I'm pumped about this guy, you know, but the knock on him, speaking of knocks, is that he's not a very good salary cap guy. Um he historically tried to give um, uh, what was his name? Farid. You know who I'm talking about? Uh, Kenneth Farid. Kenneth Farid. He's he he famously tried to give him a contract that was l- literally illegal. Like it was more money than he even could legally give him. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of an embarrassment. Um, and he's with his contracts, he's a little quick to max players out, which might be interesting in this D-Lo issue. Maybe he's learned, but he gave Jamal Murray the max like a year and a half early when he hadn't really done much yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he got hurt. So it's, Oh no. And then he had the huge bubble after he got the max and you're like, Oh wait, that worked out. But then he gave the max to um, Michael Porter jr. Again, a year before he even had to. And then the guy gets hurt and it's like, Mm -hmm. well, is this guy even going to play basketball? So he's mm-hmm. been a little quick on his uh, contract giving out negotiations, but mm-hmm. um, overall, I mean, it's a great piece to add to the organization and it just shows that we're trying to do the best. Um, and we got that Marquise Watts 
was a guy that we picked up from Clutch. You know, Clutch Sports is a number one, number one player personnel, uh, you know, agent representation in the NBA. So mm-hmm. we took one of their highest, you know, execs and brought him over here. We just brought a guy. We poached a guy from uh, Memphis that was supposed to be one of their best execs, their like assistant mm-hmm. GM. We brought him over. So we're building like one of the best front office organizations of young, hungry guys that is in the NBA. So why? What what do you think is the overall driving force that's bringing these guys over? Now, obviously, we're being aggressive in getting them. And do you think it's the money we're giving them? Do you think it's the opportunity to uh, coach it? Do you think a lot of it's Anthony Edwards? Or do you think it's just the culture that we're building? Maybe it's A-Rod. What would you say are some of the some of the main factors of why we're getting these guys? I think we've been pretty good at um... – Jumping the gun on some of these guys, like this this Marquise Watts, he has a, some ties to this area, but you know he wasn't probably getting NBA teams giving him that that sort of shot, you know. And same with the, the assistant GM in in the Grizzlies. I'm guessing that a lot, or I think it was the assistant GM. I'm guessing it was a money thing for him. You know, we're willing to say, hey, we'll pay you a little more, and maybe instead of you being like at this level, we'll move you one level up in the management, you know, just like any position you move up. Now your next job will be a job up from that. So we're giving people a little, you know, increase in, uh, in executive order and giving Mm -hmm. them some more money and we're building a building something good, which is another good, you know, I know everyone likes to talk bad about Glenn Taylor. It's like real fashionable as Timberwolves fans, but he's always been willing to pay. Like went out and paid big money for Thibodeau. Like, most in the NBA type money. He went out and got who is the guy that we got from um from Portland, the old coach that's a Hall of Famer. Um, Adelman? Yeah, Adelman. Yeah. I mean, he was a Hall of Fame guy. He went out and chased and got, you know, mm-hmm. he went out and got, you know, he's willing to pay for these guys now. Like willing to I mean, because it's his pocket. This is his mm-hmm. money. The mm-hmm. contract is what four years? Five. Five years. A Rod and Low and Lowry might not even be full-time owners by then. You know, they'll, right. they'll be like one or two years in. So this is coming out of Glenn Taylor's pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's true, yeah. So, yeah, and, and speaking of the Adelman, I always forget Adelman. Adelman should have worked here. Like, it really should have. We had the right pieces going. I think it was just like Ricky Rubio, I think, tore his ACL or something like that. And Well, it just, what it I hated apart. with that is he came in, same thing as Thibodeau, and we were a young team. We were a young up and coming team. We had some young talent. And mm-hmm. the very first thing that Adelman did um, was got rid of all of our young talent to bring in vets. And it's like, we're, we're not at the, like, we need one more piece to win it stage. We're at mm-hmm. the, we need to build this for the next five years stage. But when you bring in a coach that's got two years left before he's retiring, he's not right. looking at a five-year process. You got to win now, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And man, the uh, the the West also we we forget the West was tough back then too. I mean, I think like that Phoenix team who was the eighth seed who we were chasing. I think it was the last time they made the playoffs before the uh, obviously the run to the NBA Finals. I think they they had near fifty wins, <laughs> so yeah. we had yeah. I think it was forty eight or something. But right, we were, and that was with the injuries. Yeah, we we had a good year that year. 
Yeah, that was fun. I think we ended up two games below 500, I think like 40 and 42. and But we were in it most of the way, and it was fun scoreboard tracking. But I guess the ends justify the means because now we have Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and D'Lo. So. Butterfly effect, exactly. Like one little thing changes the whole future. Um, right. I'm just excited for the culture of the Timberwolves right now. Like we're moving, we're moving into, you know, more professionalism, but kind of like that whole, everyone's like, Oh, family. Like everyone wants to talk family. That's, you know, what your team's about as a family, but we really have guys that are running this organization that seem to be that type of, you know, put your arm around a guy and you actually care for him kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's going to be fun to see that. It's going to be fun to see how it moves forward with Finch and him. Um, they knew each other for one year. Um, they worked together for one year, that is. They might know each other more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and what's important right now is this is a very critical time for the Timberwolves. I mean, we've got D'Lo coming up on do we pay him or not, you know. I thought he was a restricted free agent. He's not. He's an unrestricted free agent. So, at the end of this year, he's free to go wherever he wants if we don't sign him. So that's going to be an interesting call by him, mm. um, especially with him not, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's scouted him and stuff, but I don't know how close he's really right. paid attention to the Timberwolves, you know, personnel. Um, we've got three seconds, which I saw Chris in our chat over here. Um, do you think we're going to try to move up? It's very possible. I, I would be surprised if we draft three guys, you know, like we're probably not yeah. bringing in three seconds to camp. So my hope is they target somebody in the second that they really like. And they say, Hey, we'll give you all three of these to move up to get that guy, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Or move up. I mean, it might even get you into the late first. Um, so we've got those picks. We've got, we're coming up on if we if we decide to let's say we decide to not sign D'Lo and not re-sign Pat Beverly after this year and let Malik Beasley let's say he has a bad year and we let him walk, we're gonna have like forty million, thirty-five, forty million dollars in cap space next mm-hmm. summer, which is enough to get a max player. So like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of options that we can go with, and I think it's good to have a man that's been there and done that, mm-hmm. has built by far in my opinion the most talented roster maybe other than the celtics in the nba um, mm. injuries aside yeah what helped me yeah. right and you know so he's built that you know I, I it's a it's a tough time to say sasha and gupta you know get this team over the hump and get them into you know championship contender i know mm. you've never done it before but it's now or never you know like right it's good to have a guy that's that's been in the trenches before so i'm excited right. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not saying that Gupta could can't be the guy down the line this franchise or some other franchise. You just need to get your kicks. Like, for example, uh, this guy, Tim Connolly, he was in he, he was basically where Gupta was for years with the Pelicans and, and, and other places around. And then he got the job in Denver, been there for about eight years and seen nothing but success. So I think we're going to put it. You'll go ahead. He got the job in Denver when they decided that they didn't want to pay for. Um, the uh, Musa Majiri, yeah. So Majiri, like, yeah. <laughs> so he moved up when that guy moved out. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's great for Gupta to sit behind him for a couple of years. That it's just going to build his resume even better. Also, uh, just a, a Denver note. I'm hearing that it looks like the next person in line for the Denver job is former Timberwolf Calvin Booth. 
So and uh, Penn Penn State uh, fifth year senior, I believe. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was fun during the dark days, but uh, yeah, um, it's <laughs> going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I think we're going in the right direction. And this close to the draft, it's nice to pick up a president of basketball association mm-hmm. who's they're picking two picks behind us. So right. I mean, he's been locked into this same draft slot all year as us. So. He's been probably checking out similar prospects as we should be looking at. So hopefully Mm -hmm. he's locked in. Yeah, absolutely. So this is the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Chris, thanks so much for taking some time out of your night to uh, talk Wolves. No problem. Anytime. Absolutely. This is the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. And hit the bell on YouTube so you never miss an episode. And follow us and give us a five-star rating on Spotify. Also, so you never miss an episode. It helps us out. And as always, go Wolves. Go Wolves.